It's time for episode 267 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, November 14th, 2018. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that's not afraid to make you do a little math. I am one of your hosts, Micah Sargent, and I am joined across the internet by my good pal, Dan Morin. How you doing, Dan? Mike, it was my understanding there would be no math. Ah, see, but it's like four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Let's, what, let's do the division, oh, carry the one plus two. No, no, no. I'm afraid I'm out. I'm afraid I'm out. Okay. Well, you know, while you're thinking about it, I still think I can see you scratching down some, some figures there. Uh, I would love to introduce our guests and to my left is Honestly, probably like the kindest content creator uh, that I have seen on the internet. This morning, uh, my pal Ant Pruitt was tweeting about donuts and uh, and being kind, and I think that's great. How you doing, Ant? <laughs> I'm unbelievable as always. How you doing? I am doing well. We're so happy to have you on for the first time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited about the donuts now. I didn't know there was going to be donuts. It's, it's the opposite of math. Pass the donuts around. <laughs> I didn't necessarily say I was sharing. Oh, <laughs> all right. Fine, fine, fine. All right. To my left, our second guest, the senior editor at iMore, co-host of the iMore show, and just a fabulous, wonderful all-around person. Georgia Dow is back. Hi, Georgia. Hey. I, I think I should talk a little bit cooler just to, to deal with how a cool ant sounds. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to talk a little bit lower and kind of, oh my gosh you know got me we're blushing we're, over we're, here <laughs> we're all we're all professionals here clearly all right clearly. Um, now that we're all doing our sultry voices uh i'll go ahead and kick things off you know how the show works for people for tech topics etc my question uh there was a recent recode report that says that voice tech hasn't really found its true calling uh, it's the idea that, you know, if we have all of these things and, and they sort of are, are glomming on to the idea of talking with your voice, but really all we're doing is just like building voice as a new interface for things that we already do. But until voice kind of does its own thing, it's not there. My question for you is, do you think voice tech is the future or are we still looking for that next sort of interface interaction tech. Ant, we'll start with you. I think it is the future, and I think it's the future because these companies are trying to make it the future. I don't think it's a, a requirement or anything, but I do see the good use cases for it for people that have accessibility concerns and issues. So I, I get it. Um, we're not there yet, but I do like what I see from some, some of the different uh, tech companies out there with how they're trying to integrate voice into our everyday lives, other than speaking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, th I would think I would say qualified. It's a future. I don't think it's the only interface that we'll be dealing with going forward. We're not, you know, even on even on Star Trek, they still had like buttons that they pressed every once in a while. They didn't use their voice all the time. Um, but I think it's it's not quite there yet. Like Anne said, like it's 
we, we, it's made some things easier, but as anybody who has an Echo or any of these other smart devices know, once you go past a certain depth with like the complexity of your requests, you start to get in over your head very, very quickly. So it's great for certain like quick shortcuts. Like I still use my Echo every day to check the weather or to set timers and stuff like that. None of those are complicated tasks. I would love it if there was a more intelligent construct in there that could act more like a real assistant. Um, you know, and like I come home and tell me like, oh, you got some messages here. Would you like me to turn these lights on, etc. Like it's getting closer to that, but we haven't yet gotten it to the point where it's more sophisticated than, say, probably your pets. So that's kind of my feeling on it. Georgia, <laughs> what about you? <laughs> well, you know, when it works, it's sublime. Me casually requesting something and Siri taking care of my needs. It's lovely. When it doesn't work, it's like this violent explosion, like arguing with a belligerent platypus on steroids. By the way, I'm the platypus in this scenario. (laughs) Siri, of course, is calm and serene through it all, which really ends up just making me so angry I start calling Siri names that I cannot repeat. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) use your imagination. Um, You know you've done it. I'm not the only one. So so I I really want to – like I think that it is probably going to be a larger step into the future because like I don't want to have to press buttons because I'm that lazy. But I, I need something that kind of is a, a more intelligent assistant that will be – like, it's, it's Siri's fault, of course. It's not mine. It's Siri's <laughs> fault. Um, that can kind of read my mind and know what I need to do and what I'm requesting because uh, right now the levels of frustration can get pretty high. I've never wanted a teenager less than after yelling at my recalcitrant Amazon Echo. <laughs> <laughs> So I think pets are very sophisticated. So I do take offense, uh, Dan, but I knew that I knew that was coming, Mike. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad we checked that box. Uh, but other than that, um, I, I agree with, with, uh, with what George is saying there. I think, you know, too often I see folks like it's, it's one of the, the saddest things for me that one of the things that I try to correct as much as possible is I see folks blame themselves when they can't figure out some sort of technology. Oh, I'm, I'm stupid. I don't get this. I, you know, I don't understand. And this is my fault. I feel that in every case, it is the failing of technology when, unless a per- person is being, you know, uh, purposely dense, then other than that, I do genuinely feel that technology fails when it fails the user. And so that, that same thing applies to, to voice. It's not that you aren't speaking to it correctly. It should be able to figure out what you are saying. And it's a lot to ask. And I understand that. But I think what that says is something that has been a theme throughout what we're, how all of our responses have been, which is that we're not there yet. But I think to say that it, you know, doesn't, it, it, that, it, that it's not the future, that there's no sort of, you know, hope for it is an incorrect thing. And that eventually, uh, it could be part of a larger interaction of the future. All right. Thank you all for your answers on that. Let's go to our next topic, which comes from Ant. All right. As content creators, which position do you find yourself in the most? Either A, relishing in the act of creating content and publishing it, or B, struggling with the analytics, you know, the things like likes, views, or lack thereof. Oh, man, you just come on and start dropping these hard questions? Jeez, that's, that's rough. <laughs> hey, it's A that or B. Rough. You can say A or B and then we'll move on. <laughs> I can't say A or B. That's the thing. I can't say A or B. No, I, I strive for A. I really do. But I feel like the 
the the era that we live in right now with the constant social media like it's both it's one of those those constant double-edged swords right like it's got the ability to engage so broadly uh and really hit such a large audience or even just find a narrow audience that really is into the thing that you want to publish or talk about and that's great but at the same time it comes with this anxiety over the whole like am i getting enough eyeballs like or enough ears like are people reading this does anybody care do people hate these things or like these things so you know as someone who's not only a podcaster but a writer like it's tough to put your stuff out there and wonder like oh my god did i just hear a pin drop are there crickets out there like nobody cares about this thing that i just wrote um fortunately i've been doing this long enough that i've able to a certain degree to like get myself more into mode a and really think about like i'm just creating this thing and putting it out there but i have to admit that the like the doubts and the analytics and stuff like that i'm one of those people who go reads like my goodreads reviews of my book (laughs) and like what everyone tells you not to do that i am totally the guy who does that Uh, but i try not to let it get to me too much like even if i do check the analytics and like i'm curious about this i try not to get too down on myself if it's not like Oh my God, amazing, you know, et cetera. Like I try to try to keep that in a nice balanced overview. So I'm not sure how successful I am, but that's what I shoot for. Georgia, what about you? <laughs> I, I'm just going to repeat everything that Dan said. No. Um, <laughs> but I feel the same way. I, I like to write. Th- I can't, I can't, I'm not like, I can't produce content that I do not feel something about. It's just not my strength. I wish I could do that. I can't do that. But then, and I don't want to, I don't want to care. I don't want to care what people think or what they said about it. But I do. <laughs> then I feel that I'm like, oh, they didn't like me. I don't know why that I take it that personally, because I know it's just writing and some people like stuff and some people don't. They don't even see me really as a person. So what does it matter? But <laughs> I'm looking at the comments of like, you know, oh, I hate her giggle or, you know, why did she write this word this way so many times? And I'm like, yeah, you know, probably right. I need to work on that. So aim for publishing something I care about. And I wish I cared less about what how many hits it got and if it was popular or not. Yeah, it, it seems it's a little difficult because it's it's a, a little of this, a little of that. And I think for a lot of folks, uh, especially these big creators, it gets to a place where they live and die by the bee. In this case, the struggling with the analytics, the likes of views or the lack thereof. It's, it's figuring out what is still... Uh, working for their audience and trying to figure that out. And uh, Georgia, you might, uh, and we don't have enough time to talk about this, but uh, you might remember <laughs> uh, it's a psychological concept about how folks who start getting paid for the thing that they love or the thing they're mm-hmm. passionate about actually take some of that passion or that love away from it, no matter what, mm-hmm. as much as you mm-hmm. try, uh, as soon as you start to get paid for something, psychologically, it changes our uh, the way that we feel about that thing and the way that we sort of like mm-hmm. uh, value it. So yeah. th- there's always going to be A and B, I think, and we all struggle for A. Uh, but certainly there is a little bit of um, bit of a an issue there. You know, I, I brought this up because there was a post from Lily Singh. She's a super popular YouTuber, and she basically published a video saying, "You know what? I'm going to take a break for a little while." And it struck a nerve with me because. You're seeing this, at least I'm seeing a lot of this more and more from those larger, quote unquote, larger, big YouTubers and content creators and influencers or whatever superlatives they have behind their name. They're all seem to be taking some type of 
break or stepping away or going through to some type of uh, uh, mental issues where they just got to, you know, take take a step back. And it just it bugs me a little bit um, because I wonder if people are taking those analytics a little too seriously or, 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 or what. I don't know what the balance is. Wow. We have already reached halftime, folks. And I am excited to tell you about this week's sponsor. This episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Squarespace. You can make your next move with Squarespace. See, Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea. And with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and so much more, you're going to get things set up so easily. Maybe you want to create an online store, a portfolio, or a blog. Well, Squarespace's all-in-one platform lets you do just that. There's nothing to install. There aren't any patches to worry about. No upgrades required. Squarespace takes care of all of that. They've got award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help, and they let you quickly and easily grab that unique domain name. Now, I've talked before about why I like Squarespace. It's because they're quick to get everything set up when it's new. When HTTPS support was really like, hey, everybody's got to have this, Squarespace was quick to get that turned on, and all you had to do was go in and flip a switch. Same thing goes for uh, mobile payment solutions like Apple Pay. You just go in, you get it set up really easily, you can get your store started. It's fantastic. And Squarespace plans start at just 12 bucks a month. Guess what? Because you're listening to our show and we adore you. You can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash clockwise. Now, when you decide to sign up, go ahead and use the offer code clockwise because that's going to get you 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. And of course, you'll be showing your support for our show. That's squarespace.com slash clockwise with the code clockwise to get 10% off your first purchase. Thank you, Squarespace, for your support. Squarespace, make your next move. Make your next website. And Dan, let's hear what your topic is. All right. So tech repairability has become an issue that's become a very heavily discussed in a lot of places, including um, some pushing in, in some states for these right to repair laws. I'm curious for your experience with dealing with tech. When your tech breaks, uh, how far out of your way are you willing to go to repair a piece of technology that you own rather than just replacing it wholesale? Are there pieces of technology that you've gone through that process of fixing stuff? Would you like to fix more stuff? Or are you just kind of like, nah, this stuff moves so fast, I'm going to buy a new one anyways. Georgia? Oh, I'm totally in for the right to repair. We actually, my hubby, he's like really the one that does this. Like he had a 2000, we have a 2009 MacBook Pro. They're like, it won't work with Mojave. Well, he's replaced the hard drive with a solid state drive. He's replaced the battery with a new battery, installed new Mac OS by some sort of a hack. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> on on it and it runs and it like really runs and flies so i am totally in the right to repair i think that the use of inte intellectual property rights are like now being abused to kind of monopolize and it feeds that like beast of making us buy things more frequently because they say you can't do this and so we're just filling the coffers of these billion dollar businesses and the landmines and climate change and mining of precious resources. So like who really owns your tech? Do you and shouldn't you have the right to decide who fixes it and how? Amen. Uh, preach it, <laughs> Pastor Dow. Uh, I have to say, I can be, once I get started on something, I can be a bit of a hard head. Like I've got to just go through and get it done. So my thing is, I sort of weigh the pros and cons at the beginning when I'm thinking about, you know, how, how far out of my way I'm going to go. If 
I think I can do it. I'm going to try it. And once I try it, I kind of got to make it happen. And so that applies here with, with repairability. And that can result in me in <laughs> ending up spending more money trying to fix it myself than if I had just replaced it altogether. But for the fact of like, there's just something. There's a little bit of a badge of pride, I think, that everybody gets. If we all have like Girl Scout, Girl Scout sashes that are like a part of our life and we all get to collect little badges over the course of our life, then certainly one of those is like repairing a, a piece of tech that we, uh, that, that we, you know, end up sort of being stubborn about making sure it gets done. And what are your thoughts? Well, first, it, it depends on what happens when I swipe the card. if it says approved then i'm all about buying it if it says yeah you might want to try again then i'll try to repair it (laughs) no in all seriousness um i'm a tinkerer at heart always have been and probably always will be uh so I, i will do what i can to at least look up what the spare parts would cost versus the time it takes to um uh pull things apart and put them back together and test it and things like that and most of the time That is a lot cheaper um, for me anyway to just fix it myself instead of going out and buying something else brand new. Um, But but I love the idea that we have technology out there that has uh, instruction booklets and things like that to tell you how to walk through things and fix this and fix that. And I hope we continue to have that right in the future to repair the stuff that we spend hundreds or thousands of dollars on. Yeah, I agree with that totally, especially from a legal perspective, as Georgia mentioned. I I do think that you should be able to fix these things. Now, there's a balance here too, right? Because so much of our technology now is so complicated and so small that it's really hard to actually fix them. Like the number of things, you can replace some stuff in an an iPhone, but like when you get down to the like nitty gritty, it's really hard to fix some of the things that go wrong because like we're dealing with things on microscopic levels sometimes. But like, you know, I've got a I've got a MacBook Air, its battery is going. I know I can replace the battery. I've replaced solid state drives in these. I put a new hard drive in a Mac mini. Like I, I used to work in IT. All this stuff is like like Ant, I'm a tinkerer. I like playing around with these things. But I agree too with Georgia that like the the whole commercial aspect is is troubling, right? Like we do have this tendency now to just think like, ah, toss it out, buy a new one, like it's dead. And it's hard to combat against that. Um, but you know, certainly the price tags on it sometimes make a good argument against it. So I, I'd like, I want us to be able to do it, uh, as an option as much as possible. But I also understand that companies are trying to engineer these things to smaller and smaller tolerances. And that means making trade-offs. And sometimes those trade-offs come, unfortunately, in the fair, fair uh, in the frame of response or uh, repairability. So, these things, there's sort of a, a give and take there too, which I get. But thanks for your thoughts on that. Really appreciate it. Let's move on to our last topic, which comes from Georgia. Okay. So um, in a world with Black Mirror, <laughs> Altered Carbon, Minority Report, um, <laughs> there's a company in the UK that is trying to microchip uh, their staff. Uh, they're saying it's a feature. Um, we microchip our pets. Do you think that microchipping adults will ever be acceptable? And uh, have you ever thought about doing it or any use cases yourself? Wow. So I, 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 um, <laughs> when I, growing up, my, I was super, super, super religious. Like my family was very religious. So this kind of thing would scare the living pants off of, uh, 
certain members of my family and would have at the time uh, for me. Now, uh, not so much. Like even, even microchipping pets was scary for them. Uh, both of my dogs are microchipped and it is fantastic because that means that if one of them gets picked up, they can get scanned and my information is there. They can get a hold of me and then they can also tell that the dog is spayed or neutered. So they won't try to perform that surgery on the dog having it already, you know, since it had already been done. That's fantastic. Uh, I would like folks to know that I've been spayed and neutered too. So maybe I'll get it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I would love, I love the idea that, you know, we, we have our phones and they have a lot of information on them and, uh, Google and Apple and other companies have put forth this technology like, uh, w- with the iPhone. If you put it into emergency mode, you can see if someone has put in their information for their health. It says, I take these medicines. I'm allergic to these medicines. These are the contact details, et cetera. Um, there are situations where someone cannot respond and there are situations where Someone may not have their phone nearby. And in those cases, something more permanently attached, I think, is a cool idea. Um, but I think that it's, it would have to be something that is completely voluntary and is something that, I mean, that's, that's, that's the, the beginning and the end of it. It's, uh, it couldn't be something mandated. I think that would, that would really freak people out, but certainly something where I could say, okay, I know I have these drug allergies and these certain, uh, issues. So someone can just like swipe a thing over the tip of my fingernail and then they know all those things if I am unresponsive, I think is a, a pretty cool idea. And what are your thoughts? <sighs> I'm sort of half and half on it because the, the vast population today has uh, some type of cell phone or whatever with them, so they're automatically tracked right there. And I like the idea of knowing that there's that extra security for if something wants to happen with one of my hard-headed boys, I can get them, you know, I could track them down fairly easily. Um, but far as an adult, I, I don't know. It, it's... I'd do it, but I don't know if it's something I could ask uh, my wife to do or my cousins or what have you, because everybody doesn't feel the same way about, quote unquote, big brother watching us, you know? Yeah, I'm kind of I'm also in the middle. Uh, The um, I think it's going to happen. I think that's pretty clear. It it seems like that is uh, something that is coming down the pike here. And I you know, that's that's fine. If people like as Mike said, if people want to make that choice for themselves, Totally fine. Um, pure personally, I really have an aversion to anything getting like injected into me. <laughs> maybe, the, maybe that's just me. I don't know. Uh, but so I, I don't feel like that's a thing I necessarily want to sign up for. And, and only part of it really comes out of like Big Brother like concerns of being tracked. Like that's certainly an aspect, but much more. I just like don't like the. I, I'm not ready to be that the cyborg. I, I guess some people find that cool, and that's you know more power to them. But for me, it's just not a not a thing I really want to have on me. I just feel like there's too many consequences or potentially unknown consequences that I'm comfortable with like making that decision. So I, I, I like the idea for for pets and stuff like that. That you know, I think that's a a a powerful thing, and it really solves a problem that was was happening. Right, like you know pets would get lost and their tags would come off and nobody would know where they were supposed to be. So um, that's an issue. You can't, you also can't talk to a pet, which you can often talk to say a lost child or something like that. So it's a little easier. Um, 
but yeah, I, I think it's going to happen. It's just a, a matter of time, really. Uh, but I think I, I will not be an early adopter on that. <laughs> <side>. <laughs> I um, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm totally against it in in principle to security and as Micah said, having it against your will. But you know, having my kids so that they they can't be stolen, and I would know. I think that it would lower the levels of people being kidnapped if you would definitely get caught and someone would know where you were even if you know that they don't have their phone on them. And that, I think, would be lovely because people would be safer. The idea of it being hacked or um, security breaches or all of your information being tracked to that is really scary for me. And so I think that if we have, we have to have legislators that are like, you know, aware of this and be able to make that safe to it. And uh, I'm I'm all in also for like my my cybernetic uh, cybernetics that will at one point be uh, attached so I can jump really high and and punch really far and see like <laughs> eagle strength. Um, I, I want that, but again, then I worry about like becoming part of the Black Mirror uh, people being hacked and they've like implanted different memories that aren't actually mine in my brain. Which like you know if they're better, awesome. But if not, <laughs> that could be a real downer. <laughs> wow, I love it. We folks have reached uh, the end of another episode of Clockwise, but before we go, we have time for a bonus topic. But before we get to that, I want to tell you all about a new sponsor here at Clockwise. It's Kane 11. Coming next week, the week of November 19th, is a product that's never been available before. Kane 11 Socks is launching socks in exactly your size. With 11 shoe sizes from 7 to size 17, your socks will fit better than ever. And to celebrate this upcoming launch, they're giving away 100 pairs of socks. If you go to Kane11.com, you can enter for a chance to win a pair of socks in your size. That's Kane11.com, K-A-N-E-1-1.com. Now, Kane11 sent me a couple pairs of their socks in my size. And folks, I am kind of a connoisseur of fine sock, if you will. I think I have at last count like over 100 pairs of socks. Uh, but I just got these socks from Kane 11. What I love about it is, you know, you, sometimes you slip on a sock and you pull it up and the heel of the sock is either way above your heel or way below your heel and you got to adjust it and you kind of got to slip and slide and get it figured out. So I go to pull them on. I don't do any more or less tugging than I normally would. And by golly, the heel was right where it was supposed to be. These socks genuinely were made for my foot size. They fit super snugly. I like that they were not too warm. They kind of have a light feel to them. They're very cool socks. So go and sign up and you could win a pair of socks in your shoe size. You'll have the perfect fit and ultimate comfort. Thanks so much to Kane 11 for their support of this show. And now I'm curious... Name a food you've eaten that you absolutely despised. Ant, we'll start with you. This is easy. A daggum coconut. Ugh. <laughs> Dan, what's your despicable food? When I was in sixth grade, my best friend um, had grown up in Australia. And one day he convinced me, you should try this. It tastes like chocolate. Oh, uh, that was Vegemite. It does not taste oh, like man. chocolate. That man is a liar. <laughs> It is really, really gross. <laughs> so my father-in-law tricked me uh, in, eat, into eating uh, heart and tongue, and uh, it, it was awful. Mm. Mm. That's part of that southern cuisine here. <laughs> well, you're going to love what I have to say then. Um, 
I, my dad is very good at making, um, pork chitlins. Yes. Uh, and I, I, ugh, I tried them and they didn't taste terrible, but then I was told what they are. And for folks who don't know, yeah, they are, it's a small intestine of a pig. Um, let me say that again. It is the small intestine of a pig. Uh, you never want to be around for them when they're being prepared, and oh. I never want them in my mouth. But, um, you know, these things. <laughs> Could be worse. Could be the large intestine. Ugh. <laughs> Just get, keep your intestines away from me, please. Uh, wow. We, we have finally reached the end. All that's left is to thank our awesome guests, Aunt Pruitt. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And George Dow, thank you so much for being back in Clockwise. Yeah, thank you so much. And Micah, we have reached another show, so time to go off and have some food that you don't detest. How about that? <laughs> uh, sounds great, yeah. All right, great. We shall do that, but we will be back next week. Until then, reminding you, all of you out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>